they were bringing in hundreds of truckloads of road material a week. When we were there, we had to basically wait for them to dump a load of road and then flatten it out so that while we went over, you'll be okay for just don't stay on the road very long. Yeah, drive as fast as you can. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash, and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail, and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy. And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like trees. Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks. We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures. And we'll even throw in a little trip planning. Let's start exploring. If you're looking for a white knuckle drive in a national park, today's episode is for you. We are talking about the scariest roads we've ever driven in the national parks. Yeah, I'm so excited for this one. This will be fun. We've driven on so many roads throughout so many different national parks. And it's just like there's a few of them that really stand out in your memory because they're associated with like lizard fear or something. <laughs> your lizard brain is like scared because you're afraid of the heights or something. There's just there's some crazy things that go on in your brain in some of these drives. So I'm excited to talk about some of them. We're going to rank our favorite scary roads in the national parks. And honestly, like when I was trying to think about the different roads that we've driven on that have scared me, the list is quite long uh -huh. uh, for me personally, because I do <laughs> get a little bit nervous on some of these roads. I just don't handle that anxiety that, you know, the heart pumping and, and the thrill mm -hmm. uh, as good as I used to. Well, I think that the passenger of the vehicle sometimes gets a raw end of the deal because usually they're the ones on the super edge of the yeah. cliff. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one that's looking out the window like, babe, we have like three inches. <laughs> so anyway, but we thought it would be fun to rank our favorite scary roads that we've driven in the national parks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just start. We had a couple of honorable mentions. Yes. I have a hard time narrowing things down sometimes. And I was <laughs> like, well, I want to do like our top five. But there are a couple more that I think that people would notice were left off of our list. Uh huh. Yes. So honorable mention number one is the Trail Ridge Road in Rocky Mountain National Park. Yes, that one is so good. This road, so it is pretty notorious, I think, for being scary. Mm -hmm. uh, but compared to a lot of the other roads on this list, it really isn't very scary. Yeah, I think because the road is done so well and they've put it, it it's it goes so high. It's It's such a high road. But there's not a whole lot of like cliffs edges that you're really driving along. And it's it, not like sheer cliffs. No, no. You know, they because the the way Rocky Mountain National Park is, the mountains aren't really super steep. Like they're a little more rounded. Mm -hmm. And the road as it cuts through, yes, you're up high and you're on some cliffs, but it is a lot more gradual of a slope, I feel like. Right, yeah. I was reading through some news stories where some people had actually gone off the road. And, you know, it's like the park ranger's comment was like, luckily, you know, it's a gentle slope. Oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> so people went like 500 <laughs> feet off the road or something like oh, that. But your that car will eventually though. stop. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so the Trail Ridge Road reaches over 12,000 feet above sea level. It is the highest paved road in any national park. Mm-hmm. We've driven a trailer up and over this road with really no problems. I yeah. mean, it's the way that they have it set up, like the elevation gain, it's substantial, but it's the percentage is pretty low. Right. You're, you're gaining it pretty gradually. Yeah, your truck will have to work hard, but it's not unsafe. What so I would say, if it's snowing, that is terrifying. <laughs> so add in yes. snow to this road because there's not really any guardrails or anything to keep you from sliding off, 
that's where I would be like, oh, yeah, that could instantly bump it to number one uh, if you're in bad weather conditions. I feel like any of these roads, if you add snow and ice, suddenly it becomes number one. But yeah. yes, what I think my favorite feature about this road is you have some amazing views because you're up so high. But I remember my first time we ever drove this road, like it blew me away. It was in the summertime, but there was a whole giant herd of elk that were up in the tundra. It was just so beautiful. You have these massive craggy peaks off in the distance and in the background and in the foreground, you know, pretty close to you. You know, you have all these elk, just tons of them up there, just chilling up on the tundra. And it was just so pretty. So it's a really cool road. You'll have amazing experiences up there. It's it's awesome. Yeah. And if you're not used to mountain driving, it probably will feel a little scary. Mm-hmm. But just know it's not even close to as bad as it gets uh, in the <laughs> national parks. So yes, uh, we did want to mention that one. The second honorable mention is one that I am too chicken to drive. So we've not <laughs> actually been on it. But I did want to mention Um, This is the Obstruction Point Road in Olympic National Park. Right. Yeah. And it's actually, it's in a very obvious place, but only if you know where that it's there. It's up at Hurricane Ridge and we've seen it a bunch of times. It just kind of, it goes off from the parking lot. There's just like this little tiny narrow dirt road just like (laughs) off the cliff Uh (laughs) that goes down to a trailhead um, near the Hurricane Ridge Visitor Center. Right. But I don't have the guts to drive it. It yeah. looks terrifying. I watched a guy driving it on YouTube the other day because we hadn't done it. And I was like, I'm going to have to just see what this is like. And luckily, it, it doesn't look too terrible, luckily. But it does cover, it's eight miles, you know, and it goes to Obstruction Point, And it does look like it's pretty beautiful, actually. It's been called Washington's Scariest Road. So that's enough for me to just be like, <laughs> nope. Where I get hung up, I think, is like when the road is really narrow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, like if I'm just driving one way, that's fine. What happens when a car is coming the other direction and you're on a cliff and there's nowhere to pull off? That's where I'm just like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, no way, (laughs) nope, won't do it. Yes, that is the most, especially when we're in our truck. Oh my gosh, things get really hairy on these roads when it's a single lane road and then all of a sudden out of no, and all... 99% of the time, whenever you meet somebody on these roads, it's on like a blind turn. Yeah, it's always the worst part. (laughs) And our truck has terrible turning radius. Like We have no maneuverability. And so I just, yeah, I've seen the obstruction point road. I don't have the guts to drive it. Maybe one day I'll like hike down on it for a minute and just Mm -hmm. see if maybe possibly I could bring myself to drive it. But we've not driven it, so that's why it's an honorable mention. If you have driven it, let us know. We would love to hear from you on your experience, and maybe you can talk me into it. Maybe. (laughs) Two good honorable mentions. Now we're jumping into our actual list. So we'll start at number five and work our way down to the number one scariest road in the national parks. So number five. And I think there's going to be some uh, pushback here. Maybe a little bit of disagreement. Yeah. (laughs) But we ranked the number five scariest trail as the Schaefer Trail slash the White Rim Road in Canyonlands National Park. This one could have been, if we're ranking them by favorites and not necessarily by like scariness, this one could have been my number one because we, uh, Canyonlands is my favorite national park in Utah. And so this road has some really cool memories for me, and I just love it. It's just, ah, Canyonlands. Every time I post a picture of this road on Facebook or Instagram, it just like blows up because it looks so scary. (laughs) It (laughs) It, looks terrifying. Yeah, it has its moments. And so if if you don't know where the White Rim Road goes, and so it's in Canyonlands, but you start at Island in the Sky, which is like the highest part of Canyonlands. And Canyonlands is all about layers. And so you've got the top mesas, the highest points, and you go down layer and layer and layer down. And as you descend from the top of Island in the Sky down to where the road kind of flattens out and you go around, it's this amazingly steep switchbacky road. 
you know, that you feel like, oh man, so this is just this gonna slide right off. It's so great. That's ah. the Schaefer Trail. That's so the, the Schaefer Trail. The Schaefer Trail is what gets you from the island in the sky down to the next layer, which is where you'll find the White Rim Road. And the White Rim Road, it really it winds all through Canyonlands. There's so much cool stuff you can do along that road, but. The Schaefer Trail really is the one that looks super scary mm-hmm. that people are just like, uh, nope. And I know it took us a few years of going to Canyonlands until I finally was like, okay, I think I can do this. I think we can try the Schaefer Trail. Yeah. Uh, and we rented a Jeep, which was awesome because you really need a high clearance 4x4 to drive the White Rim Road. Yeah. And that was our plan for the day. And so we took the Jeep down the Schaefer Trail and it is, it's just switchbacks along the cliffs and it looks awesome. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the road actually, for me, I guess once we got on there, I was like, okay, it's not as narrow as it looks. Yeah. It's not as like on the cliff's edge as it looks from above. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's number five for me because it looks really scary, but you get on there and it's like, oh, it's actually pretty wide. Uh, there is room to pass. Yeah, you there's know, not a problem not there. You're not stuck on a cliff with nowhere to go. So you're just having these like really awesome views uh, along the cliff's edge as you work your way down to the next layer of Canyonlands. Yeah, but there's people that love to mountain bike the White Rim Road. And I think if you... <laughs> If I was on the Schaefer Trail portion of it on a mountain bike, I think that would feel crazy. Oh. That would be uh, yeah. nuts. Yeah. That was too steep for me. <laughs> you'd your be riding your brakes. You'd yeah. be squeezing those brakes. And if you squeezed the front brake just a little bit too much, you'd go head over your handlebars. That'd be kind of crazy. What's cool about the Schaefer Trail, well, and this whole area, I feel like, is that they actually, like, that was a route that was made by the Native Americans to get to the Mesa top. Uh And so it started out just ancient route from the bottom of Canyonlands up to the top. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they used, for a long time, they used it for the Native homesteaders used it to get sheep up to the Mesa top and back down. Nice. And so it's been used for a long time. And then uh, it's just a dirt road now that you drive. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and then when you get down to the bottom, you're driving the White Rim Road, which is a hundred mile road that loops around this layer of Canyonlands. So you've got like one big layer above you and then you're still one more layer down to, to the, the river. river. Right. Yeah, so kind of there in the middle And that road, I mean, there are a few times where you kind of, you get pretty dang close to the edge of the cliff. Mm -hmm. And then there's like side roads you can take to go down to the river. Um, You're just going up and over. It is just, it's epic. You have to have a permit to drive the White Rim Road, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to have a permit to drive the Schaefer Trail. Right. So... Keep that in mind. If you're hoping to do this, definitely, you know, have the right vehicle, but uh, you can go down the Schaefer Trail and then connect it to a different road than the White Rim Road to head back into Moab, and that's really popular. Mm-hmm. So there are a few different ways that you can get yourself on this road. Right. And like you said, it's 100 miles, and it usually takes people, like, you know, you can, if you were to cruise, you can do a section of it and kind of turn around. But generally speaking, if you're going to do the whole thing and you want to really enjoy it, that, you know, two to three days in your vehicle is like the best way to do it. Or if you're on a mountain bike, like four days would be so much fun. But I remember last time we were down there, there was this guy, you could tell he was following us a little bit close. And like he, as soon when we stopped, he kind of pulled up next to us and he was kind of asking us a few questions. And I re- do you remember why he was asking us so many questions? I honestly don't remember this guy at all. <laughs> so this guy, we kind of pulled out to take some pictures and he caught up kept close to us and he was asking us a few questions. And then eventually, as we were talking, he finally revealed that he only had like a quarter tank of gas. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> I don't remember that. That's yeah. terrifying. And so he was trying to play it off, like play it cool. Like he didn't feel like he was kind of in trouble or anything like that. But he was asking us, so how much longer, you know, do you think this is, you know, you know, are we coming out pretty soon? And I was like, oh, we're like a third of the way through. And he's like, oh, 
I've got a quarter take of gas. <laughs> so, Dude, you better get out of here fast. Start turn around and go back home, man. Get back into Moab fast. But no, this is definitely a road. There's no water on it. There's no gas. You have to go in prepared because this is, it, it's such a harsh and rugged landscape that you need to just be like super overprepared with water, with food. The temperature in the desert, it'll be super hot during the day and it'll be pretty darn cool at night. And so you have to have everything. It's a survivalist's, you know, exercise to make it through the White Rim Road. It's so cool. Oh, can I tell you a story? So as you're in Canyonlands and Moab and everything, you're in this rugged, harsh, crazy desert, right? But when you're in Canyonlands, one of the neatest thing about it is even though you're in the desert, everything around you was shaped and formed by water. Because like erosion is what makes Canyonlands what it is today. You know, you've got the Colorado River and the Green River that cut their way through the canyon. But there's tons of just other ways that water has weathered and created the way that Canyonlands looks. It was back in 2002. There was this story. So it was the middle of September and this family was exploring the White Rim Road area and they had a campsite. They were going up in there's a little side canyon called Taylor Canyon in the White Rim Road. Well, anyways, in September, there was this kind of major summer thunderstorm that came through. Which happens pretty often. It happens a lot. Yep. So you have to be really careful about water in Southern Utah. And so this family was in a Hummer, and which is awesome to start out with. They were driving through the White Rim Road in a Hummer and they were going up Taylor Canyon. And then all of a sudden, like the weather changed and like it started to rain a little bit. And they thought, okay, we'll get out of here pretty quick. Well, and like two minutes later they were in this like dry wash area and like you, you can see a couple of inches of water coming down the dry wash no 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 no, no. get out get out and get then, out and then a few minutes later after that suddenly like it's up like mid hummer like it the, only takes i mean that's why it's called a flash flood yeah right? it, it only takes a few seconds exactly that's terrifying and so like oh. a couple minutes later they the water was halfway up the Hummer on the side of the vehicle. And then like two minutes later, like the major, the wave of the flash flood finally hit them. And the water was 10 feet tall. Oh, And so, and there it's this family of like four in this Hummer, but Hummers, they're built so awesome. This is like, not like recent models of Hummer, you know, that are a little bit more like a Chevy Tahoe. This is like army Hummer type of vehicle. So it was actually like this huge wave of water hit the vehicle and then they floated down river for like four miles oh. <laughs> until finally like they're in the middle of the river basically. And so they open up either the window or, or the, if there was a moon roof Sunder, or something like that, yeah. they opened it up and they just kind of swam to shore and then they're there. Hello, help. And you know, people, they were calling out like some nice campers, like took them in for the evening. But their Hummer just like kept on floating down the river. They are so lucky that yeah. Hummer floated yeah. because pretty much no other vehicle yeah. <laughs> would have floated. You would know. have just drowned. Oh my oh, gosh. That's and, scary. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's crazy. Like that water, water is like the most unexpected feature of Canyonlands. You know, you think maybe only in the river is where it's at. But if it starts to rain... Water can come from anywhere, down any of these cliffs, down any of these washes, every, like the whole landscape totally changes. And so suddenly where there wasn't any water, suddenly there's way too much. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a crazy landscape. I love Canyonlands so much. The White Rim Road is just incredible. It's, it's an adventure waiting to happen. And so that's probably, even though we've ranked it number five, it's probably my number one for adventure for status. Fun. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that you go down the Schaefer Trail, you come around, you know, the 100 miles all the way around Island in the Sky on the White Rim Road, and you come out Mineral Bottom. And Mineral Bottom is, is so cool. It's, it's got another whole bunch of switchbacks, and it's, it's super fun. But um, it's uh, Moab just in general, the whole Canyonlands Arches Moab area is such a fun melting pot of outdoor recreation just in general, because you've got river rafters, you've got national park people, you've got jeepers and atv people you know and there's so many different things mineral bottom is a place where you finish up the white rim road so all these people in their cool off-road vehicles 
coming up out of the switchbacks, but then that's also where a lot of people put in the river or take out of the river, depending on what section of the Green River you're rafting. When I was a Boy Scout, we put in at Green River and then we took out at Mineral Bottom. But my awesome Boy Scout leader only had like a Geo Metro vehicle and he was pulling like this trailer of like 10 canoes. That's such a bad idea. (laughs) It was so awesome. (laughs) And so we got this this group of Boy Scouts that they just finally make it to Mineral Bottom. And the guy that was stationed at Mineral Bottom, imagine like a mixture between like Doc from Back to the Future, you know, like this older gentleman with like super poofy electric white hair, but his voice is like Crush from Finding Nemo, you know, and he was just, you can tell he's been stationed at Mineral Bottom for years, you know, and he's just like, dude, I'm so glad you guys made it, you know, (laughs) where did you guys put in? Where have you, you know, how many days did you go? It's so cool. Let let me help you get your canoes loaded up. You know, it was the funnest, like taking out of a river experience I've ever had. And so we got, we got in the car, everybody's loaded up. We loaded up the canoes and then we have to go up these switchbacks. But this Geo Metro only had like three cylinders. And so we've got a few Boy Scouts and my Boy Scout leader, he's just like, guys, I don't think it's going to make it. And so we made it down. We all jumped out of the car and this sweet little Geo Metro is just like, you know, and we had to follow. We were basically walking up the switchbacks faster, (laughs) (laughs) faster than the car could pull the canoes out. And I just see this crush from... Finding Nemo, he's probably down there just like, dude, I don't know if they're going to make it. I think we're going to have to, you know, we're all just going to have to push. (laughs) It was awesome. Anyways, the White Room Road, a very special place in my heart. Beginning all the way around and the ending. It's just all around one of the best roads in the national parks for sure. It really is. And we do need to mention that that is by far not the scariest road that you can drive in Canyonlands. Right. So there are a lot worse roads. Um, those ones, you know, take a lot more preparation. You got to have special equipment. It's not something that like most everyday people are going to see and try. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you yes. can definitely go gnarlier than the Schaefer <laughs> Trail and the White Rim Road. But for, you know, an everyday Canyonlands visitor who sees the Schaefer Trail and wonders, oh, what's that? Or the White Rim Road, you can see it from a lot of the viewpoints in Island in the Sky. You might be wondering what it is. And that is why this is the number five scariest trail in the national parks. Yes. So let's jump to number four. This one just has to be on the list somewhere. Mm -hmm. Again, kind of like the White Rim Road where it's just like, This is a road that you're going to see and you're going to drive as like kind of a just a regular visitor to the park. So we're talking about the number four, going to the Sun Road in Glacier. Oh, yes. It's so awesome. This one, it takes you to just epic views. And like you said, as a normal visitor to the park, you don't have to have a special Jeep or off-road vehicle to do this. You know, it takes you to the high country of Glacier. I think everybody is a little nervous to drive on this road when, <laughs> like, you hear about it. I get a lot of emails from people like, so we really, like, don't want to drive this road. What's a way around having to drive this road? <laughs> you know, and there are free shuttles you can take. Um, You can take a red bus tour. You can have someone else drive it for you, Mm -hmm. but you have to end up on this road at some point during your glacier vacation or else you just miss the best part of the park. Right. So uh, that's why we're going to talk about it here as number four, going to the Sun Road. So this road is 51 miles. It takes you from the west side of the park to the east side of the park. So this is the only road in the park that actually transects the whole thing. Mm -hmm. If you want to get from one side to the other through Glacier National Park, you have to drive on this road. And it basically gains about 3,500 feet from the west side up to the high point at Logan Pass. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a good amount of elevation. Yeah. Your car has to work to get you up there. It (laughs) does. It feels steep. Right. You but, know, you're not like straight up and down or anything, but you're you're gaining some good ground as yes. you're working your way up into the mountains. Yeah. And we've talked about it a little bit more on like some of our glacier episodes, but you know, you don't necessarily notice 
as a driver how hard your car is working because there's only one switchback. You know, there's a with the white rim road, there's like 90 switchbacks. But this one, you cover that 3,500 feet of elevation in one switchback. And so it, it's just a constant, continuous uphill grade. And but a lot of times the passengers or you may not necessarily notice how much elevation you're gaining because it's somewhat gradual until suddenly like you stop at a viewpoint and you're like, whoa, or the passenger, yeah. maybe you oh, know this. Got a huge cliff on one side. <laughs> and the way that they designed the going to the sun road was to have it integrate into the scenery. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make it look like it just wasn't even there. And so it cuts into the mountains and you've just got massive drop-offs on the one side, the passenger side, as you're working your way up from the west side to Logan Pass. Right. That's where I'm always sitting. And (laughs) I just try not to look down while John's driving. He's fine. Like, driving it isn't too terrifying. Oh, I'm in the middle of the road. Yeah. You know. There's not a lot of guardrails. There are some retaining walls and things on some of the bigger cliffs, so that's nice. (laughs) I think, honestly, though, what makes this drive so scary to me is all the people on there that have no clue how to drive in the mountains or like are not used to that type of elevation. You get a lot of people, you know, just like like we said, like the mainstream visitors to Glacier are all driving this road. So you have people from other countries who don't know how to drive here. And you've got, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people who just aren't used to that type of uh, elevation. You've got people who cannot, for the life of them, stay in their dang lane, you know? (laughs) And it's like, nope, you got to take your turns a little tighter. You got to, you know, you got to be watching those lines. Last time we were there, we saw someone driving a trailer up there and it was a big trailer. There are restrictions. You cannot have vehicles longer than 21 feet yeah i don't know what happened with that guy but there's no way he made it all the way up or had like had to turn around at a weird crazy place i don't know how he got up there but that is incredibly unsafe for everybody else too because (laughs) there's just not space there's like overhangs your vehicle can't be any taller than is it 10 feet anyway you'll have to check if you're going to glacier i think it's 10 feet driving a trailer like that guy was, I mean, he's like having to drive in the middle of the road at some places Mm -hmm. um, to avoid those overhangs that would just chop off the top of his trailer as he drives, which is just so incredibly scary. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, they started construction on this road in 1924, right? And they finished it in 1933. And so you're thinking cars have gotten much bigger since then. You know, and so I like, I'm just imagining like, I'm not even sure what kind of vehicle, but I'm just like picturing like a Model A or a Model T, you know, like putting up this road compared to like what I'm driving or, you know, or you've got like Suburbans or Ford Expeditions, you know, these, some of these larger vehicles that are way bigger than the vehicles that were probably in what this road was intended for. And so people that are, there's a lot of people that are like uh, treating these double yellow lines in the middle of the road is more guidelines than actual rules you know it's (laughs) pretty scary it's pretty rough sometimes (laughs) you're just like and so the driver a lot of times doesn't get to enjoy the views as much because the driver is managing the edge of the road on and whether you're depending on which side of the road you're on you know if you're going down the west side that means that the passenger is like hugging the cliff's edge like but like the cliff is like trying to come into your car or oh and it's not like a good like straight cliff no you know it's they carved out just a little bit so you're (laughs) as close to the cliff as you can possibly be right uh you've got it like on the side of you and curving up over your head right and so yeah it's cliff is coming out at you if you're going down the west side and if you're going up the west side then your car is trying to go you're hugging the edge of the road of the cliff as much as possible. And so it's kind of a crazy, it, it's like that uh, Mario Kart level where you like jump to the top of a volcano and then you're like coming down, you know, it's kind yeah. of crazy. Oh, I love that one. I'm good at that one. That's like one of the only ones I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, but that one's kind of crazy. And there are times when you're like, you come around an edge and you're like, oh crap, you know, you, you got to hit the brakes pretty good and you, it feels like you're going to go off the road and that little guy in the cloud is going to have to come and fish you out. <laughs> you just hope that everybody else is paying attention too, 
around you. I typically we're driving this road early morning, later evening, mm-hmm. uh, not usually during the middle of the day for right. that very reason. It's right. just when this road gets congested, it gets scarier. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, there was a guy that actually went off the road a while ago. On the going to the sun? Yeah. So where? It, so, I don't know where you could go off on that road and still live. So I think it was somewhat near the loop. And so the loop is okay. the one switchback, but it didn't necessarily. So you are climbing, like you've climbed a good distance and then you go around the loop, which is just a little switchback. Mm-hmm. And then from the rest of the way up, you're hugging the cliff up to on this one switchback up to logan pass at 6600 feet yeah and so this guy he was driving it at night and he fell asleep at the wheel and so he i think he was he worked at one of the park lodges or something like that and he was coming back from the east side and he was going to the west side and he fell asleep at the wheel and he woke up like as the car was going off, you know, that one moment oh. when you're going down a roller coaster and like your you, stomach you reach, stays at the top, yep, you reach the very top of the roller coaster down. and then it starts to go down and you're just like, uh, 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 you know, it's that moment. That's when he woke up. And so he saw like the whole thing and he was in like a Subaru Outback or something like that. But the reason that he made it was because the part of the road where he went off, it was still a pretty steep grade, but you had tons of like, all like thickets of trees it wasn't like big trees it was like thickets that like the car fell into and got kind of padded he still rolled over like 50 times but these trees they were like smaller i think alder thickets or something like that and they just kind of padded the car every time it rolled over and so the car eventually came to a stop and he just like crawled out of this car and like hiked back up to the road and like it was the middle of the night and so nobody was driving so he couldn't hitchhike or anything and so he just like jogged to work. <laughs> that's oh. what he did. But I think that's one of the rare situations where if you went off the road on the going to the sun road, you'll be okay. Oh, yeah. There's no other places <laughs> where you would go off and be okay. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I can't believe that this story had a happy ending. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Well, and that's not entirely true. So a lot of the going to the Sun Road on the west side is flat Mm -hmm. until you get past like the Trail of the Cedars and stuff. Then that's when it really starts to climb. Right. And then on the east side, it's more gradual. It's not as cliff's edge. Right. On the east side. So It's it's not like the whole road is just like this white knuckle drive that you're just like terrified the whole time yeah the east side is pretty calm and easy it still gains a good amount of elevation but it's just not it the that part of the road is not the part that's like blasted out of just a cliff that should not have a road right (laughs) like it is on the west side but that's i mean there's it doesn't get better than that road it is so phenomenal there are amazing overlooks so many good hiking trails tons of wildlife you're surrounded by mountains on all sides, mm-hmm. uh, the views, just everything. And so it's worth it. And we're not trying to scare you away. No, definitely not. But just know it is white knuckle driving there for a minute. And you do really need to be paying attention and following those regulations that they have for the size of your vehicle. Because that's the only way that everybody stays safe on that road. Yeah, it's probably of the list of all of these in terms of just like, regular vehicle driving it's the probably one of the most accessible and most rewarding like in terms of views yeah it's so good oh yeah it's epic you've got to drive it just you know don't be a dummy you have to pay really good attention because there are dummies out there yes (laughs) so even if you're not the dummy you will encounter some it's just part of it defensive driving yeah you got to be defensive on that road so it's Great. That's our number four scariest road. All right. Let's move on to number three. Now, number three, we're going to go to a totally different area that people probably aren't expecting. We're heading to Death Valley, which, oh, it's so great. And it's in the name, baby. Great, great roads. (laughs) Great roads. Yeah. So there's actually two that we're going to kind of include in this for Death Valley number three. It's the Titus Canyon Road. And the road to the racetrack. Yeah, we'll talk about both because they're both worth mentioning. 
And then there are some scarier ones that we've not done, again, that just need like really, really good vehicles yes. to get back in there and stuff. So we're not going to talk about those ones, but these are the main ones that uh, if you're going to Death Valley and you're looking for a bigger adventure on a road, mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably choose from one of these two or right. both. Right. And unlike the going to the sun road, this is one of those roads where you'll need a vehicle that has high clearance and four wheel drive. For sure. And yeah, it's definitely not ADA accessible at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't take these recommendations lightly on this one either. <laughs> Death Valley is one of those places where, I mean, it literally, I think the name is perfect because when you're there, it does feel like every part of that park is trying to kill you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's There's so, so many ways to die in this park. <laughs> 101 ways to <laughs> yeah. die in Death Valley National Park. Um, but I mean, generally, no, you're not going to go there and be like, oh, my gosh, this is the scariest place ever. But there are some really cool roads that you can drive. So let's talk about Titus Canyon first. OK, so Titus Canyon is on the east side of Death Valley National Park. And so you go 27 miles through this really isolated and lonely country. You know, you actually, you go up, uh, it's called Titanothere Canyon, and then you come down Titus Canyon. But you actually start near a ghost town, which is yeah, kind of fun. this ghost town was awesome. Yeah. We, we love ghost towns. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rhyolite. Rhyolite, yep. And there's actually another ghost town during the drive that yeah. you'll encounter along the way. And so what's really kind of cool about Death Valley is in kind of like Canyonlands that I was talking about earlier, where the whole landscape, there's like no water there generally. But when there is water there, it totally shapes the landscape and it can change everything for you. And so Death Valley, because there's like no water, there's almost no plant life there. At least what we would consider a fair amount of plant life. There are some desert plants and some things that survive there. But generally speaking, there's nothing holding the sand in place. And so if there's any rain, like these roads will wash out so fast. Which is what has happened as of recording this podcast episode. (laughs) Uh, Titus Canyon is currently closed uh it did have a giant flash flood through there Mm -hmm. i don't know what it's gonna look like when it reopens yeah we'll just have to do it again but yeah so we'll definitely have to do it again for sure but the landscape is so barren of plant life you can see all the minerals in the mountains which is why there's eight different ghost towns or more throughout death valley and so because people can like see the minerals in the rocks, you know, yeah, as they're lots just like of mining operations. Yeah. In and this so area. all of the mining operations kind of dried up. You like the minerals, there was a boom and then they went away. But, you know, it's it's kind of cool. Like so as you're driving through some of these roads in Death Valley, like you'll look up and you're like, ooh, that's a cool color. I wonder what mineral that is, or that's a cool outcropping that's kind of a different shade of whatever color it is you know and so you can think like these early prospectors and explorers that were out here and they were like searching for gold and all these different minerals and things like that and so as you're driving along these roads you can see the barren minerals in the mountains and so it's kind of cool but also the reason that a lot of these ghost towns dried up literally is because it's such a harsh place to survive yeah and so i can't even imagine trying to live out there but yeah the rhyolite ghost town like they found what they were looking for in 1904 and then by like 1916 the whole town was gone yeah it's so cool though to stop there because there are some buildings still standing and i mean it does give you that spooky vibe. I feel like that. I just love ghost towns for that because you're like, you know, you see all those old Western movies and stuff. And then to see an area that looks similar to what you see in the movies, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing there. Vultures, a swinging door, swinging sign. (laughs) So eerie. I love it. It's so fun. So then after you go to Rhyolite, you're working your way through the Grapevine Mountains and you're switchbacking through these mountains up to Red Pass is the high point on this road. Yeah, and you have to climb quite a bit to get there. Yeah, so like near Rhyolite and Beatty, which is the town right there, it's about 3,300 feet above sea level, and Red Pass is at about 5,300 feet above sea level. So Mm -hmm. it's a couple thousand feet. You're just switchbacking your way up, and the switchbacks, 
Uh, I mean, this road is one way, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yes, thank heavens. <laughs> you really have to start from the east and work your way west. It's a one-way road. So you're not meeting up with other cars trying to navigate around them, thankfully, because yes. that that's what just shoots my anxiety levels <laughs> through the roof. So Yeah, because this is not one of those like really awesomely maintained park roads either because yeah because if there's any rain you get massive ruts in this dirt road and especially as you're climbing up i mean you've got these fairly really tight switchbacks with giant ruts and so you've got to be really careful about how you position your vehicle going up this thing otherwise you could get yourself high centered really easily you could get yourself tilted a little bit too far oh, one way oh, or not the tilt <laughs> or one of your wheels like somehow you know if one of your wheels with the power gets stuck in one of those ruts or you can't get any traction from it i mean you could be it costs a lot of money to get your vehicle out of one of these places yeah and so it's well, a lot of work and it's worth mentioning that this road changes like you mentioned the water if it rains then the road changes. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually, uh, as of recording right now, um, Titus Canyon is closed. There was a big rain, a big flood, mm-hmm. wiped stuff out. You can't even drive through Titus Canyon right now because nature is literally trying to take back this whole area. <laughs> and so, you know, every time you go on there, it's going to be different. You're going to have to navigate it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the park service does go in and like try to maintain it as best they can, but it's it's a rough road. Right. Yeah. It's really hard. It's a little bit easier coming down from Red Pass. I think the road kind of gets a little bit better, but even still, like you come down a, a little bit more of like a, almost like a slot canyon for cars, but then the, the bottom of that can still have massive ruts that you'll have to navigate. And Well, I know last time we did it, we had to go through, it was a good drop Yeah, on that bottom flatter part just because part of the road just kind of collapsed, <laughs> just like buckled <laughs> and collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, the way that it is will change just depending on what water has come through recently and stuff. But um, it's a huge adventure. It is so much fun. Yeah, it's really cool. And you go past another of these ghost towns as you're coming out of Titus Canyon. It's actually called Leadfield. And the story about this one is so funny, but you only have to know two facts about this town to kind of understand what happened because they found this lead deposit and the owner of it, the one that was really trying to get people there, he hyped it up so much. And you just have to know they opened up a post office in Leadfield in August of 1926 and they closed that same post office in February of 1927. No, oh, <laughs> poor post office. <laughs> That'd be a rough a posting. Yeah. We're transferring you yeah. to Leadfield. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's Titus Canyon. It's spectacular. One of my top favorite things to do in Death Valley, if you have the vehicle to do it. Yeah. I we don't talk about stuff like that a lot just because most people won't be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, But you can rent Jeeps right there at Furnace Creek. So if this interests you, if that's something you want to try, make sure you have the right vehicle or rent it. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I called it like a slot canyon for cars coming out of Titus Canyon. It's so fun to just be be in the bottom down there. And just keep your windows down and your head out the window looking up and all around you. It's really fun. Yeah. So let's talk just briefly about the road to the racetrack. Oh, this is the one that broke my truck. Yes. (laughs) We've got some sad experiences on this road. Um, So the racetrack, it's like it's a a flat part known as a playa out Mm -hmm. in the desert where there used to be like a shallow lake, Mm -hmm. but it's all dried up. Um, And this is where, if you see the pictures of the tracks with the rocks, it looks like the rocks move. Right. Which they do. Yep. (laughs) They leave a track, but it's like this mysterious place where the rocks actually move across the playa and leave a track behind. So it's really cool. A lot of people want to get out to the racetrack when they're in Death Valley. It's one of those iconic spots that's just really neat. But the road out there... It's not like particularly treacherous. It's not scary no. at all. Like, well, it's scary in the way that a lot of other roads in Death Valley are as well. That 
if you're stranded, you're stranded. Yeah, if something goes wrong, that's when things get scary, Yeah, right? It's not scary in that there's all these cliffs, edges and stuff that you're navigating and you're putting yourself in danger that way. It's that if you break down or if something mechanical goes wrong with your car, you're out in the middle of death in quotations, (laughs) death valley, you know, (laughs) and so things can turn bad pretty quickly. So that road is basically just like three hours of the worst washboarding you've ever experienced. (laughs) We took a video of us driving through here. What's so funny about this video is it's like an hour and a half into Ash and I and our boys driving in our truck along this road. And Ash and I, you can tell you've reached the point where it's like, you no longer have anything to talk about because you're so stressed out. You know, it's all all the video has is just going forward through our windshield. Ash and I aren't, and our boys aren't talking. It's Reba singing in the background. <laughs> and then the only other noise you can hear is just everything crashing in our truck. It's rattle, <laughs> rattle, rattle, rattle. Like all the toys in the back seat. It's just like everything is just like, it's like if the cab of our truck was the inside of one of those like sideways washing machines, you know, and yeah. like all the toys just going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if you can get a concussion from driving that road because it's just like brain shaking for hours upon hours upon hours. Yeah, it was insane. (laughs) It was so bad. And just so everybody knows, afterwards, when we finally got out of Death Valley, our truck was diagnosed with death wobble and our struts in the front of the truck were all leaking and busted and we had to replace a bunch of stuff and took a major toll on our truck. And so don't don't take this road lightly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we just did want to mention that. But there are so many cool roads you can drive in Death Valley. Yes. Okay. Let's jump to number two. We're getting <laughs> to the scarier ones. Yes. Uh, so number two, the scariest national park road that we put is Denali Park Road. Yeah. And on the surface, I have to say, on the surface, this one probably doesn't seem too scary. It's deceptive. (laughs) It's it's got all sorts of things that are scary on this road. And so I think what's really cool, so the Denali Park Road, it's a 92-mile road that takes you just deep into the heart of Denali National Park in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And this road, you can't drive most of it in your own vehicle. For most of it, you have to be on a shuttle bus, which is why, again, I think people are like, well, that's not scary. You're not even driving yourself. (laughs) You know, you're just Uh, taking a shuttle. It's true. These shuttle drivers drive this road daily. I mean, they're practiced. They know what they're doing. Um, So again, very deceptive because you're driving 92 miles into the heart of Denali. The reason that this road really became scary to me because so I worked in in Alaska in Denali. And so I have been to the park before, obviously, Mm because I worked right there. And the first time that I took a bus through Denali, you always remember polychrome Polychrome Pass. Polychrome Pass. Yeah. Because when you get up in there, uh, you're just, you're so high on the cliff's edge and the road is pretty narrow and it just seems like the road shouldn't be even standing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, <laughs> there's nothing there holding the road up, it seems like. Yeah. So Polychrome has always been kind of a scary part of the Denali Park Road, I would say. I mean, I worked there, it's been like what, 12 years? I don't know. It's been a long time. And mm-hmm. I still am just like, ooh, polychrome. <laughs> well, you go, you you do go up pretty high. Yeah. And so on both sides of polychrome pass, the elevation of the road at like East Fork or at Toklat River is like just above 3,000 feet. And then when you're at the top of polychrome pass, you're at just under 3,700 feet. And so you're, it's like a 700 foot drop from the top of polychrome pass. What makes this so scary to me is because, A, you're not driving, you're not in control, so you're totally subject to whatever forces happen upon you. But then what you mentioned earlier, how you said the road shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. So we went back (laughs) in 2021, and we went, it was early in the season, it was like the end of May, and we took the shuttle bus back in there to uh, the Toklat River. That particular day, 
was blizzard. Mm-hmm. So everything was covered in snow, which is just terrifying when you're going through here. You know, you're in a school bus, basically, um, high in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so that was already kind of scary. Like our bus had slid a few times <laughs> as we were going and stuff. And then we get up there and we get up to polychrome, um, which, again, is just somewhere that like I I had already been to and known how scary it was. Mm-hmm. Had you been there before? Yeah, I'd been okay. there once before. Yeah, before we got married, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're approaching Polychrome and both of us know like what to expect, kind of, just to know that it's going to be scary, especially with all the snow. And then we get up there and they're doing construction in that area. And we get over there and we have to wait. We had to wait for one of the vehicles to like do its thing before we could go across this part where they're doing construction. And they tell us that <laughs> the scariest thing you can ever hear. Road, yeah, this road. So it's part of a landslide and the road has moved within this landslide. They've known it's been here. Um, it used to just move a couple of inches per year. So the road would would dip down a couple of inches every year. And then um, what they would do is they just come in and they put more gravel on top of it, basically just to keep it up where it needs to be. And so they've been doing that since 2014. By the time 2017 comes around, it's now dropping inches per month, this Mm -hmm. landslide area of the park road. Inches per month. Okay, so they're just having to bring in more gravel. (laughs) They're bringing in (laughs) gravel every month now. In 2018, it was dropping inches per week. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) again, but again, they're just piling gravel. They're like, it's okay. Right. And that's, you know, and that's fairly imperceptible, you know, like to the naked eye. Like if you were just to hang out there for a whole day, you wouldn't even notice, you know, that the road had dropped at all. Yeah. And then in 2019, the next year, it started dropping inches per day. (laughs) So they're like, okay, it's dropping like two to three inches per day. This is starting to become harder to like, keep it maintained. We're just bringing in a whole lot of gravel. Yeah. And then in 2021, so when we were there, this is what the bus driver tells us. This road has been dropping about 10 to 12 inches per day, (laughs) like a foot. It's sliding down the mountain like a foot per day. And we're driving a freaking bus. We're taking a bus (laughs) onto this road that is just trying to slide down the the mountain you know so now actually they closed the road that summer Mm -hmm. just a few like a month and a half after we were there they ended up closing the park road at that point because they could not keep up with the slide yeah and then um they have a photo on the denali park website of the road what it looked like in 2022 and there's not a road there anymore. You can't even it's tell. It's a rock slide. <laughs> yeah. The road and the mountain there looks like those like dogs with all like the rolls of skin. You yeah. know, <laughs> which ones yeah. I'm talking about. It's just like, you know, you just push on the road a little bit and you get all these extra rolls. It's just like the whole thing disappeared. They were bringing in hundreds of truckloads of road material a week. And so what we when we were there... You know, we had to basically wait for them to dump a load of road and then flatten it out so that while we went over the, you know, you'll be okay for just don't stay on the road very long. Yeah, drive as fast (laughs) as you can. And so it's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And I think it totally merits its number two location because if you've ever been to like Universal Studios, you know, in Hollywood or or something like that, they have like this tram ride where you're basically like on a bus and they take you through this fun ride. Well, as you're on the ride, you know, King Kong shows up and suddenly the road that you're on is like cracking and then the bus like shuffles over to the one side, just like drops over here. It's everybody, the tilt. Everybody the tilt. On, yeah, everybody on the bus or on the tram is like ah, you know <laughs> and so then we're we were like one we we're like one truckload of dirt away from just sliding down this mountain. Oh and so but you're right, they closed it. And so they're kind of what they're gonna do is they're going to build a bridge in, over this. But still to me, it's still super scary because you're gonna be on a bridge seven hundred feet in the air, basically. And the anchor points for this bridge are gonna be like just on the other sides of this like layer of 
of earth that is super unstable and trying to slide. And so I think forevermore, this road at Polychrome Pass will be something that everyone just like the bus driver will get to the top and go, okay, everybody, hold your breath. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a praying folk, you say your prayers. (laughs) There's someone, I think there was a, I don't remember where it was from. I think it was from MASH or like some old, like old time war movie. There's like, there's no atheists in foxholes. You know, I think we can change that to there's no atheists on the Denali Park Road when you're going (laughs) over Polychrome Pass, you know? Oh my gosh. And so we've been having a fun time watching this all play out just because we were there. We saw that it was the road dipped, man. It was dipping like crazy. And Yeah, I mean, basically what's happening is they built the road into what we would call permafrost, but it's actually like a rock glacier Mm -hmm. under there. And so with the climate change and the warming that's happening, it's just melting and that's what's speeding up that landslide. So yeah, they they have a way to fix it. Hopefully it looks like it. Looks like a great plan. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that it does fix it. But yeah, you can't get out there right now. The road is closed. Um, I think they said like the end of or maybe the summer of 2024, like pretty soon, actually, they're going to have that bridge done. So, Don't rush it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do good work. <laughs> yes. um, the last thing about the Denali Park Road that I found as I was like um, learning more about this landslide area that we encountered uh, that summer is that there are actually, that area is one of more than 140 mapped unstable slopes along the park road. 140. Oh my gosh. So this isn't the only area where this is happening. This is just where it got so bad that they were like, okay, we got to fix this. We can't fix this just by dumping another load of road and flattening it out. (laughs) That is why the Denali Park Road deserves the number two spot. Absolutely. There are 140 unstable slopes on this road. Oh my gosh. Good times. And now... We make it to the number one spot, the scariest road in America's national parks. And we're going to go all the way to Sequoia National Park. And this road, I honestly don't have very many positive things to say about this drive. (laughs) If you've ever been to Sequoia National Park, this one, it's not a main thoroughfare. It's not a a normally well-traveled area of the park, but it's the road to Mineral King. Out to the worst road in the national park system. (laughs) So for Mineral King, they named it Mineral King because of prospectors, you know, and so some prospectors had found this area. There was some minerals that they were mining up there and they created this road and it is 50 miles round trip. It's so bad. Like as I was looking it up online and doing a little bit of research on it. Like people have counted the number of curves on this road. And so in the 25 miles, there's 398 curves on this road. And so in 50 miles round trip, it's like 800 curves. And these aren't just like regular curves either. A lot of these are like on the edge of a cliff. There's barely enough room for your vehicle, you know, and so it's. It's such a stressful road. That was the most terrifying road I've ever been on. Yeah. And you're doing it in like first gear the whole way. And so, so, well, yeah, because, oh, so it's 25 miles one way. You're going from Three Rivers, California mm-hmm. up to Mineral King and it gains 6,500 feet of elevation. Ugh. And you're right on the cliff, like right on the cliff. And the road isn't very wide. Nope. There's not room for passing. People are going both directions on this thing. There's no (laughs) guardrails. You're just like, I literally was, I was sitting in the passenger seat with my eyes closed, just like praying my strongest prayers (laughs) that I was not going to die that day. I felt like I was dying that day Uh because every time, like, when we're just driving up, you're going so freaking slow too because of mm-hmm. all the curves. Yeah. When you're just driving up, you have like enough space. You have like a foot on each side of your car. Yeah. Right. But we kept running into people who are going the opposite direction. Yeah. And there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. You're on the cliff's edge. Mm-hmm. And so you either have to like back up to get to a better spot. Yeah. Or, I mean, the maneuvering around other vehicles going both ways 
is just, it's my worst nightmare. Horrendous. It is. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was, I think part of what made it terrible is we thought we would do this as a scenic drive. Well, and yeah, so there's you... not a lot of information out there about it. <laughs> and people love the Mineral King area. Yeah. And, and so you, you'll find like people are like, this trail up here is so fantastic. Right. And I actually, the only reason I would ever do that road again is because I want to do the Mineral King loop. And so it's like a 44 mile loop that takes you through some incredible country in the high sierras and so it's absolutely gorgeous you go up by some high sierra lakes you know you're in some beautiful canyons and just granite peaks everywhere but we did not budget the amount of time necessary to do the mineral king loop we just thought i mean we really were just like oh we should check this out because it was our first trip to sequoia right and we like to do all the possible things that you can do so that we can narrow down for you what's best to do right we're like we've got to go see what this is about yeah and i would like that you know eight hours of my life back (laughs) (laughs) it did take us that long people it took us forever it took us hours and hours to get up there and then we got up there and it was like well we have don't have enough time to do anything (laughs) and so we just like got our kids out we and did a look, small loop. There yep, was a little hiking trail. Little right hiking there. trail. And then we were just like, <laughs> I <laughs> guess we have to get back in the car. Now we have to, you know, we have a 50% of chance of dying. On a- <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Ring reference for the day. Going up to Mineral King is like doing the trail to Mordor backwards, but you also take out the pretty parts and, and like the fun parts. So it's basically like you cut out, let's say you're coming from Mordor, you cut out the swamp, and so it's just the Emin Muil, like, labyrinth of razor-sharp rocks section. And so you start the road, you go through Emin Muil for hours and hours and hours. You get out, which is like if the last scene of Fellowship of the Ring where Sam and Frodo, you know, they're just left the river. They made it to the top, and they're about to, they look together and go, oh, I'm glad you're with me, Sam, kind of of that moment. And then they go down into Emin Muil. Doing it like a scenic drive is like doing it from the end of Emin Wheel. You go up to the top and then you look around and you turn right back around. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, oh that gosh. was the worst part of the journey. Because <laughs> we've been that? here before. You know, just moment. It was just terrible. Oh my gosh. It was such a hard road. And coming down, I literally was in first gear and riding my brakes the whole time. Because the grade on the road is like consistently between 5 and 20% grade. And so you're constantly riding your brakes, even though you're in first gear. And people keep coming at you. And you're on these hairpin turns. And granted, I mean, you can look out and you're, you can see some mountain views, sort of, if you can take your eyes off the road. Which you can't. <laughs> your eyes are either glued to the road if you're driving or they're closed if you're a passenger. Oh, oh my gosh. So I didn't realize this, but on the National Park website, it says, and I quote, RVs and trailers are not recommended. (laughs) Not recommended on this road that where you can't even drive a truck, like our 20 foot long truck can't even make a lot of those turns. Uh, Yeah, do not (laughs) bring an RV or a trailer up here. I don't even know why it, it says not recommended and not just like, don't, um, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll- I wanted to say one more thing about this. Road. We really don't have very good things to say, do we? <laughs> before, before you say that one thing, well, I, I'll, I have I have two positive things to say, but if yours is going to be on the downer side. Mine is the downer okay, side. Okay, I'll save mine for a second. <laughs> Sequoia is a cool national park. It's so fantastic. Cool. Just don't go here. After you survive the just hair-raising corners and the white-knuckling and and all the elevation, you get up to the top. And we did notice this when we were here, but um, this is what the Park Service website reminds you of. The marmots of Mineral King, the marmots, Uh you know, those little cute cute animals. Yeah. The marmots of Mineral King have been known to dine on radiator hoses and car wiring. You have to (laughs) physically block the marmots from your car by putting a tarp all the way around your car, wrapping it around your entire vehicle. You have to cover the wheel wells completely 
And then they say wrapping chicken wire around the vehicle is no longer advised <laughs> as the marmots have learned to get around the wire. Oh, my god! So gosh. you will see when you're up there at Manor- Mineral King, like if you're parking your car to go on a hike or anything, you do have to have tarps that can make it all the way around your car. Um, they have to cover your wheels. They have to go all the way. You've got to tie it all down. It's got to be locked tight, man, because even after that terrible, terrible drive, you might get stranded up there because a marmot has chewed your car. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just for me, it was like the nail in the coffin. Like, yeah, not going to happen. I'm not going back up there ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's no escaping this place. <laughs> I know. If you survive the drive, you won't even be able to get down. Oh, my gosh. You'll have, you know, wire chewing marmots. So <laughs> I can just picture myself. Getting up there, getting out for a short walk, coming back to my car and just being like, I know, hoping that Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up. Come with me if you want to live. You <laughs> we know? do. We oh. do want to live. Get us out of here. Transport. Oh yes. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, such a crazy road. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, very few positive things to say about this one. All right. Well, what do you have positive to say? All right. The redeeming qualities of Mineral King. I mentioned it a little bit earlier is the Mineral King loop. So yeah, the reason to actually go up there to brave the roads, to fight off the marmots and to hike and to go there is to do the Mineral King loop. Okay. And to, to kind of describe how pretty it is, it was pretty enough that Walt Disney thought it was so beautiful that he wanted to build a ski resort up there. And so it's absolutely gorgeous terrain, you know, pretty enough. Magical, if you will. Magical. A magical kingdom ski resort. Yeah. Could have happened. That's how pretty it is after you get through the road. It's absolutely gorgeous up there. However, you have to do the road. Now, another thing about this that's actually super cool is the Mineral King area of Sequoia was actually super important to the preservation of sequoia trees because there's actually two sequoia groves within the mineral king section of the park yeah you'll drive past it i remember once you kind of get closer to the top Mm -hmm. there are sequoias on either side of you right and so they were actually sequoia was made a national park and those two groves which protected the whole mineral king area were actually made a national park like one week before Yosemite was even made a national park. Nice. And so it was like September 25th, you know, 1890, and Yosemite was protected October 1st. They sneaked it in there. They snuck it. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And so those are the redeeming qualities of Mineral King. And so it does have some really beautiful terrain, you know, amazing trees, some great sequoia groves, but... You just have to survive the scariest road in the national parks. Yes. Number one, numero uno. Mineral king. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So there's our list. Those are our favorite and scariest drives in the (laughs) National Park Service. And I want to know if you have driven to Mineral King and you have nicer things to say about it, Send us a message. If you go to dirtinmyshoes.com slash podcast, there's a form you can fill out that will go straight to us. I would love to hear people's experiences on Mineral King. If there's another scary road that you want us to talk about or you think we missed, let us know as well. If we haven't done it, we might Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that we can talk about it. (laughs) Or we might just look it up on YouTube and see other people's driving experiences. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyway, but... There's some really fun adventures for you to take in the national parks if you're looking for some scary roads. And we hope that you stay safe as you drive through these beautiful national parks. Thanks for exploring the national parks with us. Please share, like, and subscribe. And if you need any help planning your own trip, click on over to dirtinmyshoes.com. See you next week. Same time, same place. And don't forget to get some dirt in your shoes.